was it bad? What was it like working with him, working with her? You'll hear all the tales you wish you knew. Every aspect of the theater too. Feel your love of Broadway anew. On backstage babble. Hi. This is Charles Kirsch, and welcome to Backstage Babble. Backstage Babble is a podcast interviewing professionals in the theater industry about themselves, their careers, and the people they've worked with along the way. And today, I am so honored to be joined by my second guest this week, who starred in the original cast of Company, its original Sarah, the inimitable Barbara Berry. Barbara Berry's other Broadway credits include The Wooden Dish, The Bow Stratagem, Happily Never After, The Prisoner of Second Avenue, The Selling of the President, California Suite, Torch Song Trilogy, and the recent Significant Other. She also starred off-Broadway in I Remember Mama, Horseman Pass By, The Crucible, Afterplay, Current Events, Isn't It Romantic, and Big and Little. She is the author of the memoirs Second Act and Don't Die of Embarrassment, and the novel Lone Star. On screen, she starred in One Potato, Two Potato as half of one of Hollywood's first interracial couples, as well as Private Benjamin, Judy Berlin, Breaking Away, The Alfred Hitchcock Hour, Barefoot in the Park, and Law and Order SVU. So now, without further ado, here's Barbara Barry. Okay. Well, I, I would love to start by asking you um, how you first became interested in performing. Um, I was in, uh, I was put into a, asked to do a little theater production in Corpus Christi, Texas. I've even forgotten what it was, but I played a young girl and I was a young girl. You know, I was like, I think. 11 or something and so I said okay and then I guess I got interested in it oh. I just was recruited I didn't go after it somebody just asked me to do it oh. and were your parents uh, supportive of your interest you mean the interest then or the interest later um either either then or later uh yeah I don't think they cared one way or another you know they my mother was always interested in acting herself, but, I mean, they, they were supportive, and when I got older, of course, they were very supportive, uh, but it, at that point, nobody really seemed to care, you know, I was 11, who, who cares? <laughs> it was a nice experience, and I remember I liked it. Oh, yes. And were there performers who you admired at this time, growing up? No, no, I was 11. I didn't, <laughs> I wasn't interested in all that stuff. I was interested in country music. I had a lot of idols in country music. No, forget I grew up in Texas. But I was not, I was not a movie person or a, you know, I was just a girl. And I, I wasn't aware of any of that stuff going on. Oh. And where did you uh, study? You mean in college? Ye college or high school? Or? Well, I went to Corpus Christi Senior High, which was the only high school in town at the time. And then I went to the University of Texas in Austin, and I got my degree there. And was that in studying performing at the university? No, it was theater. It was called, it was BFA in theater. Oh. In other words, you did everything. You did scene design, you did acting, you did modern dance directing. It was a, it was like a conservatory. You did everything. And what were some of the plays that you worked on during that time at college? I did um, uh, Much Ado About Nothing, um, Hamlet, um... Something called, it was a Barry play, I've forgotten, something about a journey in a boat. I can't remember what it was. I did Playboy the Western World and um, a lot of uh, lab shows, which were short shows. 
And I also, I did a lot of stuff, I can't remember, uh, Much Ado, and then I did, oh, I did some Moliere. Oh. Uh, I can't remember, but it was, um, I did two Moliere's. They were major productions. I did a major dance drama. I did a lot. You know, I was in there. I was in a lot of stuff. Oh, yes. And at this time, did you have in mind being in musicals as well or only plays? No, 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 no. Uh, no, I, I could sing a little, but I was not. You know, I never intended to come to New York. I intended to be a teacher. And so my, my focus was on learning everything I could and I was going to be a teacher and then they talked me out of it there at the university they said you should be a performer you're not you're not you're not going to be a teacher and they really forced me out of one program into another oh. and so uh, but musicals were you know musicals were not so big then the big the big musical that happened when I was in when I was in college was Oklahoma that was a big deal oh yeah and it was a, a, as you know, a trendsetter for musicals in America. Yeah. And when did you uh, end up moving to New York, and how did that happen? Well, after I graduated college, I graduated in '53, and I came right to New York. I went home and picked up my suitcase, and my mother gave me a hundred dollars, and I got on the train and I came to New York. That was it. Yeah. And did uh, getting jobs come easily to you as soon as you got to New York? Or? No, of course oh. not. <laughs> of course not. I, I worked in a, a theatrical office. I worked in a factory. I worked in a uh, a shipping option in a company that, in the import-export company. I worked in Mark Cross. I did babysitting. I typed scripts. No, it was really hard, and it was only after I had done um, the stint in a theatrical office that somebody offered me a, an acting job in New Jersey, and I got, that's how I started, I got a, my equity card for a, a, a company in New Jersey, in Lakewood, New Jersey, and then in between jobs, I had to do other things, you know, I had to, I had to babysit and I was very good at stenography so I worked in offices temporary offices oh. it was not easy no not at all oh, yeah. and how did the uh, wooden dish happen your first Broadway show I walked into an office I heard they were doing a show that took place in Texas and in those days you could go to producers' offices. You could just go in, you know? It's called making the rounds. We made the rounds. And I went into this office, and I said, I hear you're doing a show about Texas, and I hear there's a part in it for a 16-year-old, and this woman who became a friend later on said, well, what makes you think you can do it? And I said, well, first of all, I'm trained, and secondly, I'm from Texas. And so she, I read for it. The next day, I read for it for the director, and by golly, I got the part. Oh, yeah. And what was it like to be making your Broadway debut at this time? Well, it was pretty, it was very exciting. I oh. mean, you know, it was big time. I got, uh, there was another girl in the company whose name was Jacqueline Scott, and we both played 16-year-olds, and we, we thought they would fire us if they found out we were really in our 20s. <laughs> But it was a wonderful experience because the director was a very, very famous actor who was directing this play. His name was Louis Calhoun. And he was smart and very kind and good. And we went out of town. We had a St. Louis run. And, you know, it was all very exciting. I was making $65 a week, and I thought that was a fortune. So so it was great. It was a, a good way to We didn't last very long. It wasn't a very good play, and uh, I think everybody in it was wonderful, but we, we, you know, I think we lasted two weeks or something. But that's kind of the name of the game, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And among the uh, other actors in it, I believe, was John Randolph. Mm -hmm. And what was that like to be working with him? Well, he was blacklisted, you know. He was a communist. He was a card-carrying communist, and he was 
blacklisted and uh, he couldn't work in television or uh, the movies at that time. Well, television wasn't so big, but it was pretty big. And But Louis Calhoun, who produced and directed this production, said, "I'm we're hiring John. And John was hired, and every night when we walked into the theater, there was a picket line outside. Oh. Because they did not want him to work. They figured he was a communist and he shouldn't work. And we just crossed that picket line. And we and he was in the play every night. He was very brave. And and Louis was very brave. You know, he said, I don't care what the that rabble-rousing group out there thinks. He's an actor and he's going to act. And and John was adorable. He was a lovely, darling man and a very good actor. But, you know, when you're blacklisted, you can't work. Yeah. And that was a lifesaver for him, that play. And he uh, he uh, went on. He did work later on, but he he never really overcame that blacklist. Because he was he was a card-carrying communist. He didn't care if you knew about it. Yeah. But... That's what it was like. It was it was very exciting. Every night we walked in the theater, there was a crowd there trying to not let us in. Oh, yeah. And um, after uh, The Wooden Dish, you went off-Broadway to do The Crucible. And when when you were there, was Arthur Miller around at that time? When you were doing Was who? That? Was Arthur oh, Miller. Oh, Arthur himself? Miller? Yeah, yeah. Oh. He came to some rehearsals. Oh. He came to some rehearsals, and he came, I think... I don't know if he came opening night, but he was around. He nodded in on us a lot. And you were also working with the uh, great director, Ward Baker, and... Well, I went to college with him, you know. We were in the same class. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, that's how we... That's how I got into it. He asked me to do it, and I said... I said, I don't think I can do that part. It's too hard. And he said, yes, you can, and I did it, and it was, was hard. And I was really too young to do it, but as the New York Times said, I was too young. But I did it, and and we were friends. I mean, we were college chums, so it was not... And he was very, very good director. You're right, he was a very good director. How do you know all this? Did you do all this research? Oh, yes, yes, I've done as much research as I can. How old are you? I'm uh, 14 years old. My goodness. Oh. We were talking, and you mentioned the uh, New York Times, which leads me to ask you, how have you felt throughout your career about critics and their role in, in theater? Well, you know, you're always at the mercy of critics, and you're at the mercy of the New York Times. And when they say you're great, that's wonderful, and when they say you're terrible, that's terrible. There's just nothing you can do about it. As, as a friend of mine said, who's a journalist, one person who often doesn't have a lot of experience in the theater does a critique on many, many people who are doing a production. And it seems very unfair, especially if the, if the critic is not is not really experienced enough in the theater. They may be a very good writer. They may be a, a very good... Um, reader of theater, but unless you're in the theater, unless you've done it, you don't know what those people have, are doing. You know, you don't know what went into that. My husband used to call it a compassion for the endeavor. You have to have a compassion for the endeavor. If you're a theater guru or if you're a critic, you have to understand what went into the production. And often critics don't know and they don't care. Yeah. So they're not high on my list of favorite people, as you can imagine. <laughs> oh, yeah. And are there shows that you've done on Broadway that you think deserved a longer run? Um, only one. The last one I did was called Significant Other. Oh. And it was about, uh, it was about a young man, a young gay man, who's all his girlfriends, his friends, got married one by one and it was a wonderful play uh, and a wonderful production and it did get a big following when we started they, they knew we were going to close and suddenly we were you know we were a big hit but it was too late yeah I think that show should have run at least at least eight or nine months minimum and it closed we did it off-Broadway at the Roundabout Theater, and then we did it on-Broadway, and it closed. And I think that, that should have had, had a 
long run. And I've been in some shows which were not so good and did not have long runs, and that was fine. <laughs> it, 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 they weren't they weren't that good anyway. Oh. And with Significant Other, I'd be curious to ask you: Did the show change between its off Broadway and Broadway run? Were they? Yes, it did change. That's a good question. The the, the leading people, I only had a very small part. It was a wonderful part, but I only had three or four scenes. The young people in it, between the time we closed off Broadway and the time we opened on Broadway, were redirected by the director oh. in many scenes. And the scenes became clearer and less frenetic and much more uh, uh, nuanced. There was a big change, especially in the in the the scenes between the leading woman and the leading man, who were supposed to be best friends, and she got married and it destroyed him. But they, it, it was m much improved by the time we opened on Broadway. And I'd be curious to ask you, how do you think that uh, theater has changed from when you started up until Significant Other? You mean from the time I started in the theater? Yes, or in your personal experience, how has it changed? Well, yeah, I mean, you used to get a ticket for, you know, $20. You could go to the theater. And uh, and the budgets were so much smaller. You could, when we did company, I think, I think the budget was under a million dollars. And it's totally different now. It's so expensive now to go to the theater that, Often people just don't go, yeah. and and the critics are are, are savage. You know, they can close you in a night. Yeah. And there is less, as my husband would say, there is less compassion for the endeavor. If it costs you twenty million dollars to put on a simple play, and you don't do business, you close. Yeah. It didn't used to be that way. It's all about the economics, is what I'm saying. I think that's the way it's changed more than anything. Yeah. And so to go back um, in your career, I'd love to ask about the uh, Bo Stratagem, which was the next play you did on Broadway. No, that wasn't on Broadway. That was off-Broadway. Oh, oh. Off-Broadway. That was in a, a theater called the Phoenix Theater, which was founded by a man called T. Edward Hamilton. And he did these wonderful plays. And that was awful. We did it downtown on 2nd Avenue, in a theater on 2nd Avenue. And that was a lot of fun. That was, um, uh, June Havoc was in it, and I was in it, and uh, Tom Bosley was in it, who actually was kind of, he's kind of a relative, was kind of a relative. Of mine. It was a really, um, it was a very progressive production, because first of all, it was way off Broadway on the east side, and secondly, it was beautifully done, and for nothing, you know, for no money at all. And it, and it was, as you know, a period play, and people weren't doing period plays like that all the time. So it was quite innovative, and, and it was we had a great time doing it. Oh, yes. And I'd love to uh, ask you a little bit more about June Havoc, who, of course, was a great uh, performer. Well, I did that with her, and she was at Stratford one year when I was there, and she I toured with her in Europe. I did a, a rep company for the USAIA and for the Theatre Guild, and she was in, I did The Miracle Worker, and she was in it. I'm, so I, do, I worked a lot with her, and she was a character, you know, she was very much, um, I wouldn't say she was a great performer, but she was... She was a true theater person. Yeah. And, I mean, she was a great performer, but not a nuanced actress. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. She was not. But but uh, I enjoyed her. We had good times together. She was very much into her own thing. Yeah. Even when she got older, and I think she lived out here in Connecticut, she was very much in her... In, she did her things the way she wanted them done. Uh, and and a little bit autocratic, but that's okay because she deserved it. She yeah. she had a long history in the theater. Yeah. And speaking of uh, the Miracle Worker, how did you first get involved with the Theater Guild? Well, I had done some shows for them. I've forgotten what they were, but I heard that they were going to take the Miracle Worker to Europe. 
as part of the USIA, which you're too young to remember, you weren't even born then, but it's called, it was the uh, United States Information Service, which is now called the USIA. Uh, I can't remember, but it was for the government, and the Theater Guild was producing it for the government. And I said to my agent, I hear they're doing the miracle worker, and I want to see if I can do Annie Sullivan and go on that tour. And my agent said, you can't leave New York now. You you know, it's too important. You have to be here. And you, I said, no, no, I want to do this. So they offered my name to, I guess his will, my, my agent offered my name to the Theater Guild and to Arthur Penn, who was directing it. And we did direct it. He didn't direct the version I was in. But, and they said, yeah, fine. And so I got the part. I didn't have to audition. I got the part. They said, it, the, the, the man who wrote it, Bill Gibson, said, if she does Miracle Worker, she can't be in any other thing in this rep company because that part is too exhausting. Oh. In other words, they let me do it, but they, I couldn't be in the other two, which was fine with me, you know. So I did that, I reported to rehearsal, and there was Bill Gibson and Arthur Penn and Porter Van Zandt, who actually directed that production. And we, June was in it, and we did it in New York. We went, we rehearsed it in Florida. We went to Washington for a few weeks, and then we went to Europe for almost six months. So that was a great job that nobody wanted me to do, but I did it, and I had a wonderful experience. Can you imagine? I saw the whole world. Oh, yeah. And do you find that European audiences are different in any way? Well, not for that play, because that play is so visual. And if you know, I'm sure you know the play, The Miracle Worker. It's so visual. You don't even have to have language for it. And wherever we went to every foreign-speaking country you can imagine, they loved it because it's a little girl, as you know, Helen Keller, who can't talk and can't hear, and this crazy teacher who's determined to bring her into the world. And the audience has understood it completely, even if they didn't speak English. So it was a huge hit wherever we went. Oh, yes. And we went to uh, 16 <laughs> countries and 26 cities. Wow, wow. Oh, yeah. And you, um, after you uh, got back to the United States, I believe that one of the next things was Twelfth Night, which you did at the Public Theater. And so what was it like to be working with uh, Joseph Papp as... Yeah, what was it like? Is that your question? Oh, to be working with Joseph Papp. Well, great. I, I adored him. We all adored him. He was crazy, and we just loved him. He just called me up one day, and I was in my kitchen with one child under under each arm, and he said, you want to do Twelfth Night for me? I said, sure. And so that's how it happened, and, and he directed that play. He That was one play he directed, and it was joyous. That's my favorite production of all time. He was wonderful, and the part is the greatest part, you know, ever written for a young woman in Shakespeare. And uh, it was one of the highlights of my life. And he's, he was very difficult in many ways. But uh, in the long run, what he cared about was the quality of what you were doing. And so we all forgave him his craziness. But he could get very mean and, and very vindictive. And then he would get over it, you know. But you didn't care because he transformed Central Park. He transformed Shakespeare for New York. He did all of the things that you know about. Yes, yes. And what do you love about uh, doing Shakespeare? About well, I've never really thought about it. Uh, you know, at University of Texas, you're trained to do Shakespeare. It's one of their greatest achievements that they train actors to do the classics. It's it, Shakespeare is universal, you know. It's just universal, and no matter where you do it, if you if it's done well, it's glorious. It's lyrical. It's about life. It's 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 the best of the written word. It's the best of the theater word. I mean, it, it's a privilege to do it if you're trained. If you're not trained, you know, I've seen people thumper and be miserable, but I was very trained. And it, it, 
I, 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 I just loved it every minute of it. And um, as an actress, what is the challenge like of performing outside at the Delacorte Theater? Well, in the early years, it was hard because we didn't have microphones. You just had to project. And it was hard because it's a big space. And then after I did one or two productions, we got microphones. They literally gave us microphones and pinned them to us, which was an innovation at that time. And so suddenly, you know, you could speak without worrying about being heard. And they had to work out a lot of snags in that new system. But it was it was made it so much easier. And then it does rain and it does get terribly hot. But, you know, you do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. And around this time, as you were a star on Broadway, were there shows that you turned down? No, I don't. Oh, yeah, I did. I turned down. For Joe, I turned down. Um, I can't remember. I, there was one thing I turned down in the park because I wanted to go to Fire Island. I wanted to spend the summer in, in, in Fire Island. And I said, I can't do it. And he said, you're crazy not to do it. I was just leaving company, actually. My contract was up. I said, I can't do it, Joe. I just can't work anymore. I want to go and be with my kids. I want to be on the beach. So I turned that down, which was probably a mistake because it went on to Broadway. And I can't remember even what it was, but it was... Um, it went on to Broadway, and I didn't do it. And I turned that down. I don't think I turned anything else down. Uh, I was rejected a lot of times. <laughs> so, but you can just say, you know, it evens itself out. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'd love to ask, what was the play uh, Horseman Passed By that you did off-Broadway? That was a musical. Oh. And it was a, the poems of Yeats put to music by a very great American composer named John Duffy. And we did that off-Broadway, uh, a really a wonderful cast, including Novella Nelson and uh, Larry Luckinbill and Maria Tucci, and we sang the poetry. Uh, there was some, you know, there was some uh, stuff going on, I mean, interaction amongst us that made it like a thing, but it was really a musical. And it was really offbeat. And we were way down in the depths of Lower East Side. I don't know where we were, some theater. We had the most wonderful time, and practically nobody came. So it was okay. But that, it was Yeats' poetry, which I'm in love with. So I, I had a great, and also I just had my second baby. So when I went to work, he was literally five weeks old. And he got a hernia, and I had to, he had to go to the hospital. It was crazy, but but that's what it was. It was really a tiny little musical that was just lovely. Oh yeah. And it's you know it's taken from his poem "Horseman Pass By," one of his great poems, and that's why it was called that. And I'd love to ask, what was the uh, sort of challenge like of being a mother and a and an actress at the same time? Well, at that point, it was terrible because my little boy had to go into the hospital for hernia. And I was getting up at, you know, five in the morning to go into the hospital. And But it, and then it doesn't stop then. You know, you're a mother all your life. And, and, you, and I had a career. And so you just balance it. And sometimes it's difficult. And sometimes it's not. My kids, I think, really suffered. They were angry every time I went away to do a movie or something. Oh. And then, of course, they both went into show business, so there, there you go. But uh, it's hard. It's hard to juggling stuff. My husband, with the, by the second baby, was just great. He could do everything. He could cook. He took care of them. He did everything he could. He could and he had a full-time career. So, you know, it's, it's always a problem when you're dealing with, with children and a career. It doesn't matter what career you're in. And so you mentioned um, earlier on in our interview that you hadn't thought about doing musicals. So how did that sort of change? Was it because of company or? Yeah, um, I didn't know anything about company until uh, Hal Prince literally called me on the phone and said, I'm going to send you a script and I want you to think about it and do pick the part you want to play. 
I mean, I didn't even know they were doing it. He sent me this. I knew the author, though, from other things. He sent me the script, and I picked that part. But the way it happened, I was told later that they were sitting around and saying, you know, this one part, we really need a Barbara Berry type. Oh. And somebody said, why don't we just get Barbara Berry to do it? <laughs> oh, they said, that's an idea. So they sent it to me. And that particular part was the one I wanted, and I, and I got it. I didn't even have to audition. Oh. I did actually have to come sing a song. I sang a song for Steve Sondheim. And, and uh, they said, uh, you don't have to do a uh, scene. But I had prepared a scene with karate and it was a friend of mine. I said, no, no, I want to do this scene. So at that audition, I also did the scene and they came down and they said, okay, you're in, it's your part. That's how easy it was. And, uh, and I'm sorry I chose that part actually because she never had a song. And that was the only character who never had her own song. But I had a good time doing it, you know. And I'd be curious to know around this time, what was your sort of go-to song or scene for auditioning? Oh, no, because I didn't audition very much. I wasn't very good at auditioning. Oh. And I just didn't audition. I just finally stopped doing it because I was so bad. The company auditioned. I knew that they were on my side. And that one scene in the play... I love so much where, you know, Sarah does, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but she does karate and she does all these crazy things. And I wanted to do it for them, to show them how funny it could be. But I didn't have a scene. I don't believe in monologues or auditions. I think that's a, it's a bunch of, you know, crap. And I, I just stopped auditioning because I was really not good at it. And... Um, once you were in rehearsal for company, what was it like to be working with Hal Prince and also Michael Bennett? It was very rough. They were both very rough. Oh. Uh, Michael was a taskmaster. He made us dance till we fell down from exhaustion. And if you didn't get it right, he would yell at you. And Hal, at the very beginning, had us do everything according to his plan. And the first day that we worked on my scene, I said, when are we going to explore this scene? He said, we've done it. We've done it. You're going to do what I tell you to do. And so that's how we did it. And then we all eventually, we did it our own way, you know. And then one day I said to him, what is this musical about? And he said, I don't know. Oh. And then it turned out, of course, it finally evolved into a musical about marriage. But none of us really knew that at the time. We were just... You can't imagine how exhausting that was. We were dancing all the time and singing, and most of us were not professional singers. So it was hard. It was really hard. I had some bad arguments with Michael Bennett, which we made up, but I really, I had some bad arguments. And I had a bad one with Hal, too, but it's too, it's too long and boring to go into. But we made up. Oh. And I'd be curious to ask about what it was like as a cast member with the switch between Dean Jones and Larry Kurt. Well, it was sad, you know, because Dean really wanted to go home to Texas. He 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 got homesick, and he didn't. He wanted to do things with a role that Hal did not want him to do. He wanted to make a more nuanced character, and Hal didn't want that. And they had a very bad time because Dean was so unhappy. He was very unhappy. And finally, Hal said, okay, you have to play the first four weeks on Broadway, and then I'll let you out of your contract, which is what happened. He opened, and then four weeks later, he left. And then Larry took over. And Larry, of course, was enchanting and adorable and a Broadway veteran. So we all, and most everybody knew him. I knew him, too, through my husband. But, but you know, it's very sad when that happens, when you make a change like that in the yeah. cast, because the morale of the company uh, has to adjust. And we, we hated to see Dean so unhappy. But then he left, and then he came back for a revival years later and said he made a big mistake. He shouldn't have left. He told oh. us that. Oh. And... From your uh, own personal experience with that show, what was it like to be Tony nominated, which which you were? Well, that was a lot of fun. I mean, who knew? I didn't even have a song, and I was nominated, and it was fun. It was you know great fun. But my husband said, "You're not going to win because Patsy Kelly was up for a 
uh, uh, an, an you you're much too young to know who that was, but she was a oh, veteran of of movies, and she, there was a great affection for her. She was in her late sixties or early seventies, or maybe more. And you know, those awards are often given to people out of affection. And, and my husband said, "You're not going to win, Barbara," and I didn't. <laughs> but but you know, it was fun. The whole thing was 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 uh, the parties and publicity and all of that. That was a lot of fun. And my kids loved it, of course. They just loved being around it. And you were also collaborating with the uh, great Elaine Stritch on on Company and What would she like to be in a rehearsal room with her? Oh, well, crazy. You know, she was crazy as a loon and wonderful. We, I just adored her. But she was. She also was very difficult. She was. Uh, she wanted things her own way and she was a big star bigger than any of us was and uh she she was character and she she you know at one point in boston she said i'm not dancing this this side by side one more minute i'll go for the first six minutes and then i'm out she wouldn't come on stage i mean she did things like that she was a character but i didn't collaborate with her i mean we were in the company together but we had our dressing rooms next to each other. We each had a little sitting room. And my children would often come and sit in the room and play, especially matinee, they'd play cards or they'd, you know, they'd, they'd play with my dresser. And Lee Lane was very sweet to my children. She always loved my children. So I, I never had never had a moment's difficulty with Elaine. But other people did. They, they, it was tough. And, of course, she, you know, she came through like a champ and she was... A huge success, as you know. Oh, yes, yeah. And one of the uh, famous things to come out of company is the cast album documentary about the making of it. And w what was your own experience like at that session of, of recording? Well, I didn't want to do it. They were paying oh. us $147 for 22 hours' work. And I said to the cast, you, we are being exploited. If we're going to do this, we should each get a week's salary. But they all wanted to do it. They were so eager to be on film, you know. And I said, we should not do it. And I was very angry about it because I had been doing television all along, more than they. And I knew we were being exploited. And it was an ugly scene because the union came and wouldn't support me. And Hal Prince came down and said, what are you doing? And I said to him, you are underpaying us. And so I wouldn't participate. If you notice, I have dark glasses on. And I just wouldn't. I said, I'll do what I have to do. They wanted to interview me. They wanted to make it. So I said, I'm not doing it. Oh. And so we each got $147. And that documentary played all over the world and made many, many millions of dollars. And we didn't get a penny of it, and I was furious. And I'm, I'm furious to this day. <laughs> oh, that is well. And um, many years, uh, or not, but I think it was twenty years after the premiere of Company, you did a reunion with the entire cast. And what was that like to be back with them? Oh, well, that was amazing. We did it in California, and for AIDS, we did it, uh, the whole thing was for AIDS. And that was incredible. We were all together. That's when Dean Jones came back. So you see, because Larry was gone. And, and Dean said to us, I left you and I made a terrible mistake because I see how close you all still are. And I was selfish and I shouldn't have done it. And I hope you'll forgive me. It was very touching. So we did that. We raised millions of dollars for AIDS. And then... Excuse me. We took it to Lincoln Center, and we they played it at Lincoln Center, and they made another another few millions of dollars. That was a a wonderful. We were all a lot older, and the, excuse me, there were a lot of things we couldn't do as well, you know. But it was a huge success. And I said to my husband, "What are they? What are they going to do when they see us walk out on the stage?" He said, they're going to give you a standing ovation before you open your mouths. And that's exactly what happened. We walked on the stage in in uh, California. I've forgotten the theater. It was in, um, not in L.A., right outside. Of, and the whole audience stood up and screamed. They screamed at us. They loved it so much. So you can imagine what that was like. And having been part of that um, original production of Company, what would you want to say to anyone attempting to revive it, as there have been lots of 
revivals? Well, they're doing it now, you know. Yes, yes, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, oh yeah, well, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm doing a podcast. I'm doing a a documentary for it, actually, next week. Oh, um, I'm, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure how they. It's a, it, they're filming it, and I'm going down to talk to them. I've already done a podcast for it, and I'm supposed to be invited to the opening. I don't know. A lot of us are dead, and a lot of us are still here. But um, I think it's going to be wonderful because the girl playing Bobby is Katrina Linka, I think her name is, and she's wonderful. So it's going to be interesting. You know, it's going to be a whole different production. Yeah. And I would love to take a uh, quick detour from your theater career to ask about some of your movies and TV shows that you did on screen. And so what do you um, like maybe better about doing screen work, if there is anything? Better than what? Oh, better than uh, doing stage work? Well, at the end of the day, you get to go home. That's nice. You know, <laughs> at the end of the day, even though you've worked very hard, you get to go home and see your children and your husband. And when you're And when you're doing a... A play, it's eight times a week. It's very hard. You're doing two matinees and six nights, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you have to be on your toes every single minute. So in the long run, I mean, eight a week is really hard. And I don't think I would do it again unless I had a very, very small part. Uh, and film and television is wonderful because at the end of the day, you say, say rap and you get in your car and you go home. <laughs> So that's, I like that a lot. I also love the technique of filming. I love the cameras. I love the, you know, the the cinematography and the way they shoot and how you prepare. And it's just, it's easier as you get older to do film. Yeah. And did you find that the roles that were available to you on film were different kinds of roles? Oh, sure. Yeah, I played lots of different things. And, uh... And then toward toward the sick, late 60s, I began to play mothers because of Breaking Away. I played the mother in Breaking Away, and then I was the world's, you know, America's favorite mother. So I played a lot of mother roles. I really didn't mind. Uh, and then... Um, and then I played some villains and some terrible people. I, I have no complaints, honestly. <laughs> And um, I'd love to ask about one of the movies in particular, which was the groundbreaking uh, One Potato, Two Potato. And so did you ever have any hesitation about doing that or what might come from that? No, no. I just did a podcast about that. None at all. Somebody asked me, I said, it was a good part. I was offered a good part. It never occurred to me that there would be any controversy about it. And there wasn't, by the way. We made it, and it was a big hit in this country, and it played 27 weeks in Japan, and it made a fortune. And, and it never occurred to me that it was controversial because I was totally colorblind. I mean, the, the thing is that a white woman kissed a black man on screen, and it had never been done before. And do you think I got hate mail or anything? Not a bit, not a bit. Nothing, no, no arguments, no articles in radical papers about how, you know, we were catering to the black people. It never occurred to me. I kept saying to these interviews the other day, it was a good part. They offered me a good part. And, and so I, I'd love to return to Broadway to ask you about The Prisoner of Second Avenue. And I believe that was your first collaboration with Neil Simon. And what was it like to work with him? Well, it was wonderful. Mike Nichols, to put us into that production, I replaced Lee Grant, who left. And and, and I didn't... It, we were... Neil's very funny, and he's very exacting. He wants you to do it the right way. And Mike is a wonderful... was a wonderful director who made everything so easy. Uh, but Neil would come by and check, and he checked us when we went on tour, too, in California... He was, you know, a very droll, funny man and very, very um, um, exacting. He wanted it his way, and you couldn't blame him. It was the audiences loved that show. And do you think there is an art to getting his plays particularly right? Uh, well, you know, they're dated now, so you, you're talking about, are you talking about doing them now or doing them then? Or uh, doing them now. I, 
Well, I think they're dated. It would be hard to do one now. I know uh, what's-her-name is doing it, Sarah Jessica Parker. It would be a little hard. They're dated, and I don't know how you would do that. Uh, in those days when we did them, of course, they were audience fodder. Audiences adored them. Uh, so it wasn't hard at all. But uh, now I should think it would be more of a challenge. Oh, yeah. And what was it like to co-star with, I think it was Art Carney and then Hector El Elizondo that you did? In well, Art was very reticent. He was very, he didn't say a lot. He was a darling man. And he only asked me one time not to do something on the stage. We got along perfectly. And Hector was very uh, different. Hector was was improvised a lot, and uh, he was sometimes very naughty on the stage. And he uh, was a completely different character from Art, uh, but he was very successful. Uh, you just had to handle him a little. He surprised you more than Art did. Art was very, you know, steady. And Hector was very much more improvisational. So, but that was exciting. I mean, you know, never knew what he was going to do, but that was great. Yeah, yeah. And did you get to the point in your career where you were suggesting things, where you felt like you had the uh, power to suggest things? Well, not really, because, you know, I never really, I often did not go after stuff. I, and I... As I got older, I, I didn't want to work that much. I wanted to be at the beach. I wanted to be with my kids. Now I have grandchildren. I never figured I had power to do anything. And there was nothing I really wanted to do that much. Uh, so, no, the answer is no. And to go back to uh, Neil Simon, you then starred in California Suite in the opening cast on Broadway. And so how did that sort of happen? Same thing. Neil just called me and he said, meet me in a parking lot. I have a script for you. And I met him in Brentwood and he opened up the trunk of his car and he gave me that script. He said, do this. I said, okay, I'll take it home. And I did it and I was not really very successful in it uh, because there was, the part was really underwritten and I didn't know how to fix it. And as I played it over a month, I got really good. But during rehearsals, I had a very difficult time with the director, and uh, and I didn't know how to solve the problem. I could do it now in a minute, but in those days, I was scared, and I thought I, the director was very angry with me all the time. And, uh, you know, in every production, the director usually picks on somebody, and in this case, it was me. And so I had a very difficult time. When I finished doing it, I was wonderful in it, but it took me a long time to get there. And what do you think that that was, looking back, that you would have done to make it better? I would have just said to Neil, this isn't working. You have to give me more words. I have no words here, you know. You want me to act and there's no material. I would have said that. But at that time, you didn't talk to Neil Simon that way, you know. You just didn't. And uh, and I and I and the director was constantly bashing me, saying, "You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Why are you doing that?" And I just felt very insignificant. Now I would either say fix it or I'd leave. I would just quit. <laughs> and what was it like to work with uh, Tammy Grimes and George Grizzard? Both. Well, George was adorable. He was just my best friend. He was just heaven, and I and I knew him for years and years. We were very good friends. Tammy was very difficult, very very difficult, and uh, I don't want to go into that. Oh, it was uh, it was not a pleasant experience. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, so despite the uh, thing you were saying about having your part be underdeveloped, why do you think that it was such a big hit? Well, it wasn't that big a hit, actually, you know. It didn't run that long on Broadway. It ran for a while, but it didn't run that long. And uh, it wasn't a big hit like Prisoner or Plaza Suite. It had its faults, and I think its faults made the run shorter than it, than it would have been otherwise. They could have fixed it. And, and I, I, if I had been older, I could have shown them how I needed it. Is that my other phone? No. Uh, it was not a perfect play. I'm sure you've never seen it. Well, you probably saw the movie. Yes. But it, it just wasn't a good play. It wasn't a perfect play. 
and it was hard to do, and we had much uh, disagreement amongst the players, uh, and Tammy was, you know, she was a big star, and she wanted it her way, and people come came to visit backstage and said, this is really a toxic atmosphere back oh. here. It was not a good experience, and uh, George and I clung together, and we got through it, but it wasn't easy. So then to um, talk about uh, another show you did that was a little bit more short-lived, which was the sending of the president. Um, oh, it was a disaster. <laughs> it was a total disaster. The, none of the principals had songs. Only the chorus sang, which was insane. <laughs> and none of us sang, and two of the women in it were the, two of the best singers in the country at that time. And it was very awkwardly directed and it was it just didn't work it didn't work at all and it closed right away and it deserved to close it was awful oh. and do you usually have a good sense of when something isn't working yeah oh, oh yeah you, you know you absolutely know yeah and um, off-Broadway at Playwrights Horizons, you did uh, Isn't It Romantic with, um, I believe Betty Comden was in that? No, she had left. I replaced her. Oh, you And um, what was it like to be working with Wendy Wasserstein, who was the playwright? Well, it was lovely. She was a, she was a great girl. But I replaced Betty, and my my take on the on the part was totally different from hers and I had a little difficulty with the director too but uh, Wendy Wendy would not in you know she she was very she was a very cheerful sweet girl she didn't make any waves or anything oh yeah, yeah. and um, also I believe uh, Gerard Gutierrez was directing that and yes and he was the one who didn't who gave me trouble he said you can't do it that way because Betty didn't do it that way oh. and I would say but I'm not Betty and so I'm gonna you've got to let me do it my way and it was not it wasn't great but in the long run it worked out fine I was good and everybody was pleased but you know theater is a very tough place yeah and you've mentioned a uh, a few times your husband Jay Harnick and I'd love to ask how did you first uh, meet we met on Central Park West at a backers audition. Do you know what a backers audition is? Oh, yes, yeah. Well, the, the lyricist was a friend of mine and the musician was a friend of his. And we were in the audience to listen to this uh, musical because they were trying to raise money for it. And that's how I met him. And it turned out we lived on the same street in New York. And he walked me home and we became friends for 12 years never dated we were you no know, in groups together and then 12 years later we got married it's a long story but that's where we met oh oh yeah and around this same uh, time you something you did on television was the odd couple together again with uh, jack klugman and tony randall and no that wasn't television oh yeah that was a movie for television oh. and what was it like to be working with them and on this project? well <laughs> You know, we did it in Vancouver, and Vancouver is the most boring city I've ever been in in my life, and it was endless. We were there forever. And I was, you know, and to, Jack and I had been friends for years, but I was playing Tony Randall's wife, and Tony Randall really considered me kind of incidental to the production. It was only at the end that he said, gee, this has been great, Barbara, but it was, it was okay. It was a good job. It was we had I had beautiful clothes to wear, and uh, but uh, you know I wouldn't call it the, one of the highlights of my life. It was okay, paid the rent. Yeah, yeah. And a great comedian who you worked with was uh, George Burns on Two of a Kind. And well, he was very old by then. He was very old, and we had a lovely time together. But oh. you could only see him for a brief period of time. He would do the scene, whatever the scene was, and then they would take him away. And then the next morning, you could come, you would come in and go into his dressing room and talk to him, and then they would take you away. Oh. And then they would bring him to the set, and he would do it. It was wonderful. And then it was a very, he was really old at that time, and it was just, he was wonderful and funny, but he, he they took very good care of him. We, I wasn't exposed to him too much. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
And in the world of uh, sitcoms and television, you worked with Diana Rigg on her show, Diana. And mm-hmm. what was that like to have, a, not just to have a recurring role, but also that particular show? Well, she was heaven. She was just heaven. She was funny, and she never took anything too seriously, and she was a good friend and the leader of the gang, and it was not a very good show. Uh, I It was kind of uh, based on Mary Tyler Moore, and I didn't know it because I had never seen a Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, but she was, it was heaven to work with her. The show never really took off. And, uh, uh, but Diana and I stayed friends for years, and that was nice. And she was, she was so funny. She would do crazy things on the set. It was a very good experience. There was a wonderful man in there playing uh, a character named Robert Moore, who was also a director. And he was uh, just the most wonderful human being. He, alas, died soon after that, or a couple of years after that. But it was a good experience. It just didn't work, but it was fun. Yeah, yeah. And earlier on, um, you did two sort of horror shows that I'd love to ask you about, the um, Alfred Hitchcock Presents and The Twilight Zone. Well, I did two Hitchcocks. One, I played a very fat lady, and they had me in a bodysuit for a week. And that was, it was hard, but it was good. And the other one was... um, it was called Miniature with Robert Duval, which has become a classic about a man who falls in love with a doll in a museum case. And I was his sister. And we we did it. We had a lovely time. And it's become, they play it all the time. Uh, and in the long run, he, he goes into the case to live with this doll. It was bizarre. You know, it was a Hitchcock. That was a really terrific fun. Oh, yeah. And did you get to work with Alfred Hitchcock himself, was he? No, no, he never came around. Oh, oh. And <clears throat> I'd love to ask about the um, movie um, that you did with Joan Crawford, The Caretakers, and what that was like with her. Well, she was very rarely on the set. I mean, when she moved in, my part was almost over. Oh. So I didn't, I really had nothing to do with her. She moved in her Pepsi-Cola machines before she came. You know, her husband was the head of Pepsi-Cola at that time. And I really did not have anything to do with maybe one tiny scene. And the rest was with the other women. So I really can't, I can't give you any opinion about that. It was, uh, uh, it was, uh, there were just a lot of people in it, a lot of women mostly. And, uh, and I signed myself into a mental hospital before to do research on the part. Oh. And I was in the mental hospital for about four days, and they they weren't going to let me out. They thought I was a bin maid, and so I had to call the producer who came to get me. Oh. And uh, and then and then we made the movie, and the movie was it was okay. If I did it today, I would do it totally differently. I was very young, and I didn't quite know how to play that catatonic person. But it was okay. You know, I was okay. Not brilliant. Okay. Oh, yes. And you uh, you also worked with um, Ruby Dee um, to be young, gifted, and black. Yes. And well, she was amazing. Oh, yes. She was amazing. A wonderful woman and a, a wonderful actress. And a, and a quite a really secure and definitive personality. She knew exactly who she was, and she was, she was a real, you know, she was a force. Yeah. And the um, the most recent movie that you've been involved in is The Magnificent Myersons, which is just came out on uh, Vimeo. Anyone who wants to see it can see it. And so what was that experience like of, of filming that? It was terrible. Um, we did it in the snow. Uh, it was a, lo- a low budget. We did it in Central Park day after day after day in the snow without a craft service, without anybody bringing you anything, uh, scene after scene. And I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why I was doing it. I was frozen the entire time. I've never seen it. I know it showed the other day over at JCC. I've never seen it. I've never gone to a screening because I thought the actors were treated very badly. And I was was really upset about that. They had us in a very good hotel uh, near the park so we could go and change clothes and stuff. But there was no, 
I mean, I don't even think they sent a car in the morning. I don't remember. But it was a low-budget film, and I hear it's quite good, but I have not seen it. And to go back to the stage briefly, um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but um, you came in as a replacement to Torch Song, uh, Torch Song Trilogy, and what was that like to be with Harvey Firestein? And Oh, Harvey is adorable. That part was originally written for me. That's a oh. that's a play I turned down. I didn't want to do it, and I turned it down originally. And Estelle, what's her name, did it. Getty. And oh. she was heaven, and she took a vacation, and Harvey asked me to come and do it. He said, now you don't, now you could do it for me. You wouldn't do it for me originally. I said, okay, I'll do it. And I was simply terrible. She was so great and so funny, and... So New York, you know, New York, Brooklyn, Jew, and I couldn't get it right. I could not get it right. And Harvey would say every night, I have notes for you, Barbara, because I wasn't very good. And I said, I don't know how she did it, but I can't do it. Toward the end of the, of the second act, I got good because it got serious. But, you know, she cracks all these jokes. Oh. And in a very, she, Estelle, in a very... I think Bronx or Brooklyn or the accent. I, I Harvey was delicious, and we laughed our way through it because he knew I was not very good, and he kept saying, "Yeah, I have notes for you. Come into the dressing room." And we would try to get it better. I never could get it right. Believe me, I never could get it right. And you uh, took on Stephen Sondheim's work again with A Little Night Music, which you starred in um, regionally with Barbara Baxley and John McMartin. And so what made you decide to do this project in particular? Or, or Well, they asked me to do it, and I thought that would be fun to do. I get to sing that song. And that was a wonderful experience. I loved it. Um, John and I had a great time up there. I didn't know him. Well, I knew him kind of. But he just made me laugh the entire time. I, I, he was the funniest man. And we were up in the Berkshires, you know, and it was a lovely musical. And, and I, it was good. I mean, I was good in it. I wasn't the best ever. But I was good, and I had a great time with John. Barbara was Barbara. I can't go into that. She was, she was kept trying to get younger and younger as the old lady. But it, 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 we had a good time. And at uh, New World Stages, you collaborated with Anne Mira, or Anne Mira wrote After Play, and you uh, performed in it there. And so, what was that experience like? I believe you, you've you written about this in your book. Um, oh, at the Manhattan um, Theater Club. Yes, yeah. And it was really essentially a four-character play with two people off stage who came in at the end. That was very difficult and very rewarding. It was a wonderful experience. I, I didn't think I could play that part. I turned it down. The director said, you can, you can, you can. And he convinced me to do it, and he really directed me. Uh, oh, I was in chemotherapy then. That's what that I have in the book. And I, every Thursday, I'd have to go for chemo. But it was a... I, I really stretched. I'd learned how to do something I really didn't think I could do. So it was a a really great learning experience. Oh, yes. the, 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 the director's name was David Saint, and he was just, he is just <laughs> wonderful. He's a wonderful director. And to take us up now to the uh, present day, what were you doing right before quarantine, Aoife? Well, we, no, I can't remember, we closed the play and I don't think I did much after that. I went to the beach, I think, and and I don't, I don't think I was doing much of anything. And and now I'm doing a lot of this, this podcast stuff, you know. And but I, I think slowed down right before COVID, and they really haven't picked up that much, uh, which is fine with me because I, I don't want to. I don't want to do eight a week anymore, and I don't want to. I don't. I won't go to some location with you know COVID going on and stuff. Yeah. So I'm fine. I haven't done a lot. Yeah. And um, I'd be curious to know what the experience of quarantine was like for you as um as an artist and a person. Well, it was okay. You know, I was here in my New York apartment, and uh, I had Central Park at my door, and my one of my grandchildren comes to visit. 
uh, every other weekend because she has shared custody with her, with her father and my son. So I got to see her. Uh, we would She'd come over and we would follow all the rules of this building. I didn't see the other kids for 10 months or so. And then we all went to the beach. And that worked fine because we were there all last summer and the summer before with you know the, the village had very strict rules you couldn't walk out without a mask and you could go to the beach but you had to take a, your mask to the beach and then take it off when you went in so we, we weathered that very well because my house is on fire island and it's beautiful and the ocean is at our footsteps and and we we we, we were lucky we had that house and that was a blessing because we could stay safe and my older granddaughter, oldest going surfs every day and we just got lucky, you know, because we had a place to go. Yeah, yeah. And you do, you've done so much and you continue to do and I'd be curious to know what has given you the drive to keep performing for, I think, something like 65 years now? Well, I guess I like it, you know. I like, I like acting. Um, uh, and I, I like it. I love the theater and I love, uh, I love the literature of the theater. My husband used to say, uh, my husband used to say, what is he? My, the theater is my life. I'm devoted to the theater. He was a producer and he had his own company. And he he worship or worship. He would say, "I worship the theater." He saw everything that ever was done off Broadway, off off Broadway, and he was on. A, he was a Tony nominator for something like fourteen years. He just loved the theater, and I do too. I don't want to work that hard anymore. You know, I like reading my New York Times in the morning, and I like going to the beach. And and uh, as you get older, you just kind of quiet down. But I, I, I guess I kept going. Well, first of all, I worked with it paid the rent and it sent my two children to private school and to private college. So that's a reason to work, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and my husband, too. He worked very hard and we we bought another house and we educated our children. So that's a good reason yeah. to work, right? Yeah. And so the very last question I'd love to ask is, what advice would you want to give to someone just starting out? Don't do it. <laughs> I would say, don't do it. It's too hard. Oh. That's my advice. Yeah. I really mean it. Yeah. And my husband used to tell all the, if you could do anything else besides just acting, do it. Don't do this. It's really hard and it breaks your heart. Yeah. I mean, I have, you know, I have friends whose hearts have been broken. It's just not, it's just a ridiculous way to earn a living. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for doing this, and thank you for all the work that you've given us for so many years. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's lovely to know you. I can't believe you're only 14 years old. Oh, you Listeners, too. thank you for tuning in, and remember to come back next time when I'm joined by Terry Ralston, company's original Jenny. Terry Ralston also appeared on Broadway in A Little Night Music, and her off-Broadway credits include The Baker's Wife, Jacques Brel is Alive and Well and Living in Paris, I'm Getting My Act Together and Taking It on the Road, and Home Again, Home Again. She also directed Side by Side by Sondheim with Peggy Lee, Follies with Betty Garrett and John Raitt, and productions of No No Nanette, Me and My Girl, and more. Her solo CD, I've Gotta Get Back to New York, is available anywhere music is found. So make sure to tune back in for that, and thanks for listening.